Okay, good to be here tonight. Good to have you here. Tonight I want to look at a couple scriptures in Psalm, Psalms and then uh, one in Revelation. Psalm 11, I'll kind of go in order. Psalm 11, verse 4 through 7. Psalm 11. Then we'll look at Psalm 50 and Psalm 51. Then we'll look at uh, Revelations 20. Psalm 11, verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids rest. Excuse me. His eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous he loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Um, what draw my attention there is the Lord on his, in the temple and on his throne. And it seemed to be kind of like a mixed em, uh, symbol as we look, um, um, as, as we think about a temple and we think about a king uh, on a throne. God is in his holy temple. He is holy. He is separate from all his creation. And yet he's on his throne and he reigns. We have both of those images there. And he's looking down on, on us as human beings. And he is, he is going to judge us. I, I think that's the key thought that I had there. That God will, will judge our actions and... Uh, and uh, and our words as well. <clears throat> then in Psalm 50, verse 6, it says, The heavens declare the righteousness, excuse me, the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Again, that God is judge. Then in Psalm 51, against you, you, verse 4, against you, you only have our sin and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. It's God's judgment that I'm thinking about here as well. That God is blameless in his judgment. He is, he is the judge of all the, the world. And um, every person will come and stand before him. Um, then turn with me to Revelations 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, the earth, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. Let's start with that image. God is seated on a, a great throne. A couple things. It's a throne. That's a that's the place for a king to sit. It's a great throne. So the greatness of a throne, um, you know, how big of a seat do you need to sit on? The greatness shows your grandeur and your reign and your power. And then it's a white throne. And I think that's to show um, purity. He is a righteous judge. He is a righteous judge that is in power. And he's seated on the throne. You always, 
Scripture always shows, I mean, a throne is a seat, so you naturally you should sit down. But the fact that the one who rules sits. Um, if you ever watch uh, sports, the coaches always stand. They always stand. They want to interact with the athletes. They want to give instructions and commands. And some of them are act, act, absolutely rest, restless on the sideline. But not God. He is seated on the throne, which means not only is he in control, but he's calm in control. There's nothing that's overwhelming him, causes him to, to have anxiety. Uh, he is perfectly under control. <clears throat> and it says, from his presence, earth and sky fled away. It reminds me um, of the Psalm, Psalm 1, where it, talks, where it contrasts the, the righteous and the wicked. And it says, the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment. Um, and, and, and it has this sense of melting away from God. That God's awesome power, his holiness, his righteousness, his glory is too much for sinful man to, to behold, to stay in his presence. And the wicked will not stand. Um, so it says the earth and sky fled away. No place was found for them. For, for them. And that's the same uh, thought there is that God is awesome in his, in his reign, in his holiness. Um, I think it's two errors we do. One is to um, try to worship God with this mind that, that we, we cannot approach him and we have to stay in that mindset. I think that's the error that, I don't know what you would call that, but um, not realizing that God is near and that he's close to us. The other error is not realizing that he is holy even though um, we have access to him and we can, we can talk to him. Um, and, and we can, the air is to bring him down to our level, to talk to him as if we are, are talking to another man. And uh, I don't know how we meet that challenge in our prayer time. We recognize that God is near to us and we can communicate with him, and yet he is holy and awesome and in so many ways unapproachable. I think the cross bridges that, doesn't it? We realize the awesomeness of how what Jesus did on the cross and what God had his son do for us is so that we can be brought nigh. Uh, Hebrews says we can, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We have access to that. That doesn't lessen God any. He's still all that he is. He never changes. He is holy. He is righteous. Um, I don't know about you, but as I, I meditate on God, sometimes I'm just like, how can I ever um, commune and come into his presence? And yet I realize we have the awesome privilege of being able to speak to him as daddy. We, have, we can speak to him as our father. He is that personal and that loving, and yet at the same time, that distinct, unique, and holy and righteous. Um, and so when we pray, we're actually dealing with, with both of those at the same time. That we pray to an awesome, 
righteous, holy God who will judge us. And yet we pray to one who has taken our judgment and placed it on his son so that we could be, so that he could be approachable to us. We can actually talk to God. We can actually do that tonight, right now. We can talk to God. How amazing that is. Um, so, sometimes in our human existence, we yearn to be heard. Have you realized that? We, we need friendships. We need communication. We need to connect with other beings. We yearn for that. And God has given us an avenue whereby we can talk to him and yet it doesn't lessen anything that he is. How does he do that? What a privilege we have to be able to talk to Almighty God. Anytime, anywhere, right here, we can pray and talk to God. That's why Jesus says, when you pray to him, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, recognizing Yes, I can talk to him, but he is absolutely holy, but he's still our father. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a wrestling of just that thought? He is in heaven. He's holy. Hallowed be your name. He's still in control. Thy kingdom come. He's in command. Thy will be done. But he's approachable. And we have a connection with him. I don't know how many important people you know. I don't know how many you have on, on your contact list on your cell phone that you can call and get a favor done. <laughs> you might be like me. I don't have any important people there that are like nationally known. But I got one <laughs> who knows me, who actually knows me, and that I can talk to anytime. I don't need an electronic device. I have immediate access to him. Um, last week I went to see um, um, a father, uh, father-in-law, um, Dwayne, uh, at the grave site there and just being able to, uh, to visit there. And every time I do something like that, I'm thinking, how are they feeling? <laughs> Where are they? Um, and I know that the song that, that I play sometime for worship, It Is Well With My Soul. That's, that's where they are. That's where they are. In, in perfect um, um, peace with God. Not because they were so great or so holy. They were human individuals just like, just like you and me. Now, I honor them because they had a great impact, uh, both my fathers in my life, great impact. They were men who, who were faithful um, to the Lord and set a, a, a tremendous example for me. And I, I was close to, and God gave to me for my life the things that I needed. Um, but they are well with God because of what God has done. And God has given me that same privilege to have, to have relationship with him. That's glory in God as, as we worship and as we pray tonight. Good evening, saints.
for our meditation will continue in the Gospel of John. And we know this is written that we might believe. We saw last week the struggles of continuing to minister to the church. We have to wash the feet, knowing that somebody could be in the room that could be a betrayer. Somebody in the room could be a denier. But we still have to be faithful. And then we got chapter 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. For if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you your remembrance, all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, 
for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the rule of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do what the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. over what the point of this chapter was it kind of you know came to me but let's just wrestle with it a little bit going through the first few verses verse 1 through 7 what's the point what's the point that he's making right let's add up the small points and see if we can get to the big preparing a place for them. Alright, so the first thing he says is God is preparing a place for you. The second thing he says is God has prepared a way for you to get there. It's me. The third thing they say is, hey, can you show us God? He said, you've seen him. Here he is. When you see me, you've seen the Father. Father, you will see me. And if you believe me, you will do great works greater than the ones that I'm doing. Then, the next section, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will send you a helper. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. So the question is, and I'm going to show myself to you. And, and it's a good question. How can you show yourself to us, but how come the whole rest of the world can't see the true you? Because I'm going to make a home inside of you. It's going to be in your spiritual world. I'm going to make a home there. And nobody can see the spiritual world. So I'm manifesting myself to you spiritually. What's the point? What's the main point? Look at the beginning and look at the end. He says in verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. In verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God. Let not your hearts be troubled. It's a command for a steadfast mind. Believe in me. Don't let yourself be troubled. Why shouldn't you let yourself be troubled? Well, first off, 
he just told Peter in the chapter before, you could deny me three times, but don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. I'm preparing a house for you. I'm preparing a house in the Father's house. He said, in my Father's house, there's many rooms. There's a room for you. I'm going to prepare that. I'm leaving you, but I'm leaving for a good purpose for you. I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you without a way to get there. I'm leaving you, but you've seen God in me, and in God you see me. I'm leaving you, but the work will continue, and you'll make my work even greater. I got 12 of you right here. Soon there's going to be thousands. But believe in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Obey my commandments. Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's the simple stuff. Or you think I'm leaving? I'm sending my Holy Spirit to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. In fact, I'm going to live in your heart. Don't let it be troubled. This idea of the heart being shaken. I'm living in that house. I don't want it shaken all the time. You ever been in a house? Somebody upstairs stomping all over the place. The light shaking. I don't want to be in that house shaking, he said. Don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. All of these things are things that are meant to cement our faith in God. It's meant to build within us this resolve. Because Jesus was preparing them for a time of trouble. They didn't know that, but he was just about to be arrested. He was just about to be tortured. And they were all going to scatter. And he's still telling them, I'm going to leave. And that hasn't happened yet. But when I do leave, I'm coming back. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it kind of brings into mind the whole ministry of Jesus. Because oftentimes we talk about the cross, and that is so true. But Jesus is also has a future work to do. He's going to return. In fact, right now, it appears to me that he is ruling his church and he's preparing rooms for us. I got a room. You got a room? I got a little room, right? And praise God, I got a room in that mansion. That means that my soul is secure. I might worry about how I might afford things on this earth with inflation and things like that. I got a room up there that inflation can't touch. I got a room up there that war with Russia can't touch. I got a room up there that nuclear war can't touch. We got all kind of scary rumors around the world. Lots of things that could trouble. I think about my kids. I'm afraid to send them to school because I know when they get there, somebody gonna try to convince one of them to be a girl. Somebody going to try to convince one of them to be gay. It's sad, but it's inevitable that that will happen. But don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. And you might say, well, Brian, you can send your kids to private school. That doesn't save them. You can't save them. This world is too corrupt. There's too many corrupting influences. I went to a Christian school. People was dealing with drugs there. Stop it. You can't escape. You live in the city of Milwaukee. 
There's too many corrupting things. I was at the barbershop today. They said they saw the dumbest accident they ever seen. And they went through a series of things that were just so dumb. A guy took a U-turn into uh, an intersection. He hit somebody and got mad at them. Both cars didn't have license plates. One car tried to peel off, but his wheel was gone. The other car peeled off. They both fled the scene because both cars were stolen. One people came back and tried to drive the car with the missing tire. Then they tried to push the car with the broken tire. You can't escape that kind of ignorance. You just can't escape it. That's the city we live in. But don't let your hearts be troubled. God is doing something. Believe it or not, God is doing something. You know what he's doing? And it's weird, but it's true. He is making the world more evil. But he's making the image of light more stark. It is important for us to be a light and not apologize for it. We got a lot of Christians out there that's apologizing. I don't want to offend nobody, but stop. Don't worry about that. I'm not trying to offend you. But I'm going to just say the truth. Then if you get offended, we can deal with that. But I'm not going to presume you are. I'm not going to presume you. I'm going to presume that God will speak a revelation to your heart. That when you see the goodness of God, you'll see a light for the first time. And you'll say to yourself, man, why have I been living in this darkness all this time? Could it be I hear the voice of God calling me? Could it be that I should stop running red lights? I should stop doing this? I should stop doing that? I should get a job? I should do X, Y, and Z? Why? Because I love God. I want him to build a little home in my heart. I want him to commune with me. I've been lonely so long. Little did I know, I wasn't yearning for love. I was yearning for somebody to make a home in my heart. These little cars that I stole, I stole a few Kias. I was a Kia boy. No. It's not a car what I want. I want a mansion up there. And that's real riches that nobody can take from. That's what they need. That's what they're yearning for. The heart of man is yearning for a God to worship. They just don't know him. Now, will they receive it? All of them will not receive it. But all of them need it. And we have that work. We approach this ignorance. Let's not be scared of that ignorance. Let's approach it knowing that we bring light. And maybe it might be shocking to people. Or maybe that might be the first light they saw. Amen.